0: Hi there and welcome. I'm Rabbi Nacho Meth with the Las Vegas Kolel. For years, one of the worst kept secrets was that Lance Armstrong was using performance enhancing drugs. If you recall, Lance Armstrong was one of the greatest cyclists ever. He won the Tour de France seven times, but there were so many allegations and evidence. His teammates' rivals kept on saying he was using HGH, gro- human growth hormone, He was using steroids, all sorts of banned substances, to help him win those championships. And for years, Lance Armstrong denied using those drugs. Constantly denying, year after year, always denying the truth. It was the worst kept secret. A couple years ago, he finally admitted it. I was always concerned, I was always confused about the human psychology of that. He knew he did it. Everyone knew he did it. Why didn't he just admit the truth? What was holding him back? Especially when you think about it, if he just would have painted a picture of what was going on, not to excuse his activity, not to excuse his behavior, but there's a certain context that makes what he did, it's... There's a certain perspective. Imagine he would have gone in front of the media, in front of the press, and said, hey, guys, I want you to know I did it. I admit it. I used those drugs. I used that HGH, and it was the wrong thing to do, and I have no excuses. But I want you to know the entire culture of professional cycling, everyone's using it too. I was under tremendous pressure. I'm not proud of it. I did it, but guess what? So were my rivals. So were my teammates. Everyone was using it, and I did it too. It was part of the culture. And guess what? That was the truth. Imagine how he would have said that just from a pure self-interest perspective. He would look so much better than what he actually did, which was denying what everyone knew was true, that he was using steroids. He kept on looking like a fool, denying it. Just admit it. What was holding him back from admitting the truth? If you take a look, there's a gem of a story in chapter 10 in the book of Vayikra. It's a remarkable story. After months, the Jews had been collecting and building, and collecting funds and building instruments and all sorts of details to, to erect and to construct the Mishkan, the temple that the Jews had while they were in the desert. After months and months, it finally came. Opening day, it was the first day it was Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, the first day of the Jewish month of Nisan. It's been about a year since they had left Egypt. It must have been such a joyous occasion. Yet, tragedy strikes. In middle of the service, the two children of, two of, Aaron, of Aaron's four children, they die. Tragically, Aaron was for sure heartbroken. On a technical point, it left Aaron, who is the head priest and his two remaining children, the only two priests that were left, they now became mourners, mourning the loss of their, in Aaron's case, his son, and in Aaron's remaining children, their brothers. And the law is is that a mourner, if you're a priest, if you're a Kohen, a mourner is not allowed to participate in the temple activities. So really what should have happened is that Aaron and his two children who are still alive, they should have said, look, we can no longer participate in the opening day uh, ceremonies, the opening day services. We're mourners. We have to go home. But God spoke to Moses, and he tells Moses, go tell Aaron and tell the remaining priests, Aaron's two children, that even though they're mourners, and normally mourners are forbidden or prohibited from engaging in the temple service, Because today is opening day, because today is so unique, you should continue to serve in the role of the priest during the inauguration of the temple. And even though you're a mourner, there's a special dispensation just for you, just for this situation, because it's so unique. Aaron listens to Moshe and listens to God, and they go ahead and they begin to do the service that was unique and special for the day. The Torah tells us there were three services that were supposed to happen that day. The first two services were unique for opening day of the temple, for opening day of the Mishkan. And Aaron, following the word of God and following what Moshe told him, they go ahead and they do those two services. But then comes the third service. The third service was not unique to opening day of the temple. The third service was a special service for Rosh Chodesh because it was the first of the month. Now, that's not special to opening day of the temple. There's a special service on the first of the month of every month throughout all the generations. Aaron rationalized and he figured and he deduced that when God said there's a special exemption that even though they are mourners, they're supposed to participate, that was for the first two services, the two services that were unique for the day. But for the service that was a regular, ordinary service, Aaron decided, he felt, I'm probably not supposed to participate, neither should my two remaining children, we shouldn't participate, we're mourners. And they didn't. When Moshe finds out about it, he gets very upset. And he goes over to Aaron and he says, didn't God just say that you should participate in the service, and even though you're mourners, you're supposed to participate? Aaron turns to Moshe and he says, yes, but my understanding was that was only for the unique services, but not for the regular services, the ordinary services. For the ordinary services, I'm a mourner. We're mourners, so we can't participate. What did God say about that? And the Talmud tells us that Moshe turns to Aaron and he says, you're right. As the verse says, it was correct. Moshe says, you're right. And the Talmud praises Moshe for admitting the truth that God had told him that their special exemption is only for the first two sacrifices, but not for that third sacrifice. And the Talmud praises Moshe for not lying, because Moshe easily could have said, I don't know. Rather, Moshe says, you know what? You're right, and I forgot. Thank you. And the Talmud praises Moshe for doing the right thing, for not lying, but for admitting that he had forgotten the law. I was always so concerned and so troubled by this passage in the Talmud, the Talmud's is praising Moshe for not lying, for admitting the truth that he had forgotten a law. What's the big deal? Moshe, the, ta- the Torah tells us, Ha'ish Moshe anav ma'od," Moshe, he is the most modest and humble of men. What was the big deal for simply saying, you know what, oh, goodness, I forgot. Is that really such a big deal that the Torah has to highlight and sing Moshe's praises that when Aaron and Moshe, they have this debate, Moshe admits that he made a mistake? Why is that such a big deal? And I think the Torah and the Talmud is highlighting a very deep idea in human psychology, a very powerful and profound idea when it comes to the human dynamic. And that is, it's very hard to admit we're wrong. It's very hard to admit we're wrong. Admitting we're guilty, admitting we've made a mistake, admitting we've forgotten something, there's shame involved, there's vulnerability. We're just not comfortable doing that, even if it's the right thing to do, even if it's in our own self-interest to admit we made a mistake. Apparently, it's very, very hard for us to admit our faults and to admit that we've made a mistake. It's fascinating. In the European Journal of Social Psychology, just a few years ago, they did several studies trying to investigate people's feelings and attitudes, how they viewed themselves after denying, after lying, after not admitting guilt. And interesting, you know what the study found? It found that people actually felt better about themselves. They felt more self-assured, they felt like they had better self-esteem by lying. I guess it's not a surprise. We don't like admitting our faults. We don't like admitting our guilt. And we don't like saying, I was wrong, what I did was inappropriate. Even though we all know it's the right thing to do. And in so many instances, it's actually in our own self-interest to admit our mistakes. If it's hard for Moshe and the Torah needs to sing his praises, indicating it was difficult for him to admit that he had made a mistake, apparently it's very deeply rooted within humanity. The idea of admitting our faults, admitting our mistakes, it's really, really hard. I guess that's what's going on with Lance Armstrong. Everyone knew he was doing HGH. Everyone knew he was doing steroids. It's in his own best interest to admit the truth. But admitting the truth, it's so painful psychologically. From a social psychology perspective, it's so difficult. And Lance Armstrong, for years, denied the obvious truth, and it did him no benefit by doing that. If Lance Armstrong, you know, even though he has every motivation to tell the truth, he can't admit his mistakes. If the Torah is telling us that someone as great as Moshe, you know, it was difficult for him to overcome that natural barrier, and it was difficult for him to admit his mistakes, how much more so that applies to people like us, for you, for me, or for our loved ones, our friends, our colleagues. Let's not be surprised if we find ourselves in a, you know, battling internally. Do I want to admit you know, that I made a mistake. We know that it's the right thing to do. Recognize it's difficult, it's hard. If we see our friends, colleagues, them not admitting that what they've done was wrong, understand that there's a very powerful human dynamic at play. But we should also recognize, obviously telling the truth is the right thing to do. Honesty is the best policy. It's a hackneyed expression, but it's true. We've got to fight that temptation to lie. We've got to fight that temptation to deny the truth and let's do the right thing.